I'm going to read uh, from Scripture. And I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 18. So if you've got your, your Bibles, you might want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. And as you see the, the pottery all around you, you might, um, might just take in the words uh, as I read it and, and consider the, the, the pottery in the, um, the potter's house as if we're stepping into the potter's house as Jeremiah stepped into the potter's house. So let me read this. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 to 6. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel that seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just as the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Well, when I was young, I had a pottery wheel. I was given it from my parents. And I don't remember too much about it, except that it was really, really messy. <laughs> it was a mess. And I remember it spinning around in the kitchen. And, and you've got to use a lot of water. I remember that. And, uh, and that, that pottery wheel just was making mess all over the kitchen. I only used it once. And I thought that was me. But having thought about it and thinking about would I let Kyrie use a pottery wheel in the kitchen, I reckon mum was probably saying, no, you're not using that again. (laughs) But I remember making a pot and and sort of shaping and as the the thing spun, just to to move it around in your hands and and guide the, 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 the clay a little bit and to shape it around. And as it spun and it spun and it spun, it, it, it all of a sudden didn't become a pot like this. It became this funny shaped bowl that, uh, that I tried to mould into some sort of a, a vessel that we could then put um, something in. It didn't work so well. Um, and so, therefore, this morning, I didn't bring my own pottery in. Um, I allowed uh, someone who actually can do this very well into, um, into the space, and that is Natasha Chance. So, so I didn't create, I don't know if you can see the, the pottery at the back, there's a few things back there, but I didn't create these pots. This is Natasha Chance's work, and it is brilliant work. So thanks, Natasha, um, for, for that and the expert pottery. I wish I could do this a little better, but... For me, it's not my gifting as such, but it is fun to play with. Anyway, through the week, I started exploring uh, the, the relationship between the potter and the, the artist. And, and as they sort of play with the clay, I don't know if that's the right word, but as they use the clay and mould the clay, there's a, a special relationship that goes on between the, the clay and the potter um, and and went down one road where, where there was a, a, an article that was talking about the, 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 the emotional connection that has with the, with the pottery. And I thought, I don't fully understand it, but interesting. But as I spoke to Natasha, um, she was able to tell me that clay has a memory. Yeah, clay has a memory. That's exactly right. It, it may not be that they remember the past prime minister of ministers of Australia. They, they won't do that, although I'm not sure many of us can do that. We had a spate where we went so many, through many of them. But clay has a memory. And you can go through the process of, of moulding this clay and, and working it and, and shaping it. And then you put it into the fire 
and it begins to, to sort of unwind. It's, it's been spinning and spinning, and it begins to unwind and slightly cause a warp because it has a memory of what it was. Isn't that incredible? Clay has a memory. But the, the potter's relationship with the clay is one where the potter can, can continually remould and reshape the clay. So if I've got some, some clay here and I decided that I wanted to try and, and, and make a, a little, a little uh, work of art in my hands here. So I've made my little, little work of art and I go, well, actually, that's a beautiful work of art. I'm going to keep it here. And I could keep it there for days and days, but I can come back and go... Oh, I didn't see that blemish. I can start to work it. So before it goes in the fire, I can do whatever with it. I can remould, I can restart, I can rechange, I can reconstitute the clay. Whilst it's not being in, in, in the fire, the potter can do anything else with this, uh, with this art, find some small blemish in it, then reshape and restart it again. Pretty amazing, really, this idea of clay. You know, this morning as we start a new series called Shape, we're going to consider the unique shape that God has moulded you to be. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that incredible verses? I remember hearing uh, these verses through a song by Rebecca St. James. I don't know if anyone rem- remembers Rebecca St. James. Uh, she's the sister of the guys from For King and Country, if you know the, those, uh, the songs from those guys that are quite popular uh, at the moment. It, worth listening to anyway. But as a young Christian, working at what it looked like to be a Jesus follower at university, with its amazing diversity and its sort of pub and drinking culture, I, I would listen to to Rebecca St. James sing this psalm. And this is what it says in, in, the, in the song. I won't sing it to you because Rebecca St. James does it so much better than me and I don't want to ruin a song. It says, You search me and you know me. You see my every move. There's nothing I could ever do to hide myself from you. You know my thoughts, my fears and hurts, my weaknesses and pride. You know what I'm going through and how I feel inside. And this is a, the, the chorus. It says, But even though you know, you will always love me. Even though you know, you'll never let me go. I don't deserve your love, but you give it freely. You will always love me, even though you know. God knows you so intimately. And even though he knows he will always love you. It was powerful to hear that sung. And as I navigated my faith journey as a young Christian, working out that God had made me and knows everything about me, yet loves me regardless. That God has known me from the very beginning. God has formed me. He's created me. He's, he's shaped me and molded me into his creation. How unbelievably humbling. Especially when, especially at that stage in my life, I didn't feel like I was worthy of the attention or the, the precision, precision and the time from God, the creator of the whole universe. Who was I to be a, a small pot in, in, the, in, in the creator of all things? 
Who is I to be molded by the, the, the potter's hand in the way that he molded the whole earth? Have you ever had that feeling? That absolute awe of God, the creator of heaven and earth, who, who sat creating in his pottery wheel and, and molded you into the exact shape he wanted you to be molded into? And that although we often try and, and, and jump ourselves off the pottery wheel and, and run away and run in the opposite way and start to remold back into that old self, like the memory of the clay, we start to go back into that sin-stained self, the, the full of greed, the anger, the hurt, the pain, the jealousies, the lies, whatever else. Even though he knows, he still loves us. And he wants to remould you once again into that unique you that he has in store. Because we, just like our clay, can continue to be moulded back by our maker into the original design that he had for you. <laughs> you know, this is only possible though. Because of the sacrificial action of Jesus. You know, his death and his resurrection has, has removed the blemishes on the clay. He's made it perfect again. Today's Bible reading was from Jeremiah 18. And it reminds us exactly of this. Jeremiah, he's speaking to the Israelite nation who have moved away from the original purposes that God had for them. Sounds a bit similar to us. They come a long way since their journeying out of Egypt through the, the, the flowing waters that were pulled back of the Red Sea, wandering out into a desert, faithfully following the clouds and the pillar of, of fire and, and wandering around, crossing over into the promised land. A lot had happened since, including being deported to Samaria by the Assyrians. That wasn't great. But Jeremiah's message to the Israelites was a message of hope within that hopeless situation. In fact, Jeremiah 17 describes how bad things got for the Israelites while they were in Assyria. Um, Jeremiah 17 uh, verses 1 to 2 say this, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool. I mean, that's really etched in there. If I sort of tried to etch something in here and got an iron tool, it would be really etched in there. Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. The Israelites had totally forgotten who they were worshipping. They'd neglected their first love. They'd neglected the, the potter who had moulded them and shaped them and given them a purpose. And they'd started adopting this idolatrous rituals of the place that they'd been taken to rather than remembering the promises of Yahweh way back in the desert. It, it was so bad that even as their children grew, all they saw were the foreign pagan ways they were following, the Asherah poles in the fields. They could see it for, for miles. They, they, they could see these pagan ways. And God gives Jeremiah a message in this time to, to go. Go and watch the potter at work. Head down to the potter's house. And so he goes and he sees this potter and uh, he sees the potter, he's sort of shaping his pot um, and, and, and he sort of, sort of sees it and the, the pot was sort of, sort of soiled. And, and as he turns around, he sees a, a part of it and, and he goes, that's not right. 
Something's not right in this, this part of the pot. It's not how the potter wanted it to be. And, and, and God, God's word to Jeremiah was that, was that uh, the potter will, will reshape that pot again. The potter will change it to make it how he wants it to be, without blemish. And God's word to Jeremiah was that God can do exactly that to these chosen people who have, who have walked so far the other way off course that God had promised for them. I can remold them. I can reshape them. I can do this for them. I can shape them once again to what I want them to be. And this morning, God has that same message for you. See, God wants to shape you into that uniqueness that he made you to be. You know, that's what this shape series is all about, being molded into God's unique you, that you may be a blessing, not just within the church walls, the four walls of the church, but within the whole kingdom of God, within God's mission of love and grace to all people. That's what I want you to take away this morning, because God's created you as his masterpiece, that he wants to use you for his kingdom purposes. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in him. You are his, the Greek word is poema. You are his poema. The Greek word means you are his work of art. It's where we get our word, our English word, poem, poem, poema. You are God's masterpiece. And when you read, if you've got any sort of poetry in you, and you read a good poem, you know there's something about it that, that is very unique and soothing and, and helpful to, to your soul. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. He's molded you. And just like these beautiful pieces of art that um, Natasha has made, the ones behind me and the ones here, uh, they're crafted. They're unique. None of these two, they might have some similarities, but no two pieces are the same. They're uniquely designed by their creator. You know, we are God's masterpiece, uniquely designed for a unique purpose. You know, I still marvel that, that our, our fingerprints are all different. I marvel at that. I think about how many fingerprints there are and how many patterns. I can think about 30 different patterns and then I go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck now. <laughs> but God's masterpiece of you is unique, designed for a unique purpose. And whilst we might walk away from that original design through our sinful nature, the promise that we can find today is that every Christian, every Jesus follower can be continued to be molded into God's unique shape and design for you. And we can do that by following the shape that God has made you to be. So over the next five weeks, we're going to explore that shape. It's an acronym, S-H-A-P-E. And some of you may have done the SHAPE series before. Uh, I know it's been done here at KSBC. Uh, I remember doing it way back while I was worshipping at Heathmont Baptist. I remember going through it and thinking, I was quite young, but thinking, this should be great. I'll find out where I should serve in the church. This will tell me exactly that if I should be a, kid, a leader of the kids' church or youth or be on the welcoming team or just be part of the worship team, what, what I should do. 
And I remember going through it and thinking, that was really helpful. It helped me to understand my spiritual gift. It helped me to think about where I would fit my heart for the church and that sort of thing. But it, I can't remember a whole lot more than that until I started exploring it again. And, and it would be great if Shape was able to help us to consider how we can serve God Sure, in and through the church when we're, we're back. That's fantastic. And, and, and when we get back into church, we're going to need volunteers. Um, it's going to be as important as ever. Volunteerism at the moment in, in our world is down. So it's going to be important that we have people serving in church in the way that they can uh, feel that, that they're blessing others and being a blessing. But what I've found as I've been preparing this series is that finding your unique shape is not all about just serving in the local church. It actually hits a kingdom purpose. So your unique shape moves beyond doing a role in the church environment. That might be a part of it. But your unique shape is designed for a kingdom purpose to be used within the mission and ministry of God. You know, as we discover that unique shape, we start to discover how we best can connect with our neighbours. As we discover our unique shape, we find out how we can best serve our local community. As we look at how we are uniquely designed, we can work out how we can be a blessing to others. We're going to see how your unique shape might impact your career, your workplace, your relationships, how you use and see your finances, the things that you do, your hobbies, in every part of your life and God's mission. God uses your shape for his kingdom purposes. So the only question that remains for us is what is your shape? Let me just explain this acronym SHAPE and, and I'll, I'll finish up with, with this for, for today as we get into it for next week. But um, SHAPE is an acronym developed by Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in the US. It's quite old now and as I said, I did it while I was at Heathmont. Now we haven't been at Heathmont since we left for England in 2004 so we know it's going back. It, that ages me, and which is unfortunate but uh, it's going back. But it doesn't matter because it, a unique SHAPE, it's actually a biblical based um, program. Uh, so let me go through the, the acronym quite quickly and, um, and next week we'll start to pick up on the S, spiritual gifts, and then the, the weeks after we'll go through the, the rest of the acronym. So here we go. So the S means spiritual gift. And this spiritual gift is a set of abilities, special abilities that God has given you or gifts that God has given you to share his love and serve others. The, the Bible sets out at least 20 spiritual gifts and we're going to look at some of them next week in detail. Uh, I believe that God has given every one of us at least one of these gifts. Every believer uh, has something to be used to benefit others. Every time you do something and you do it well, and you do it and you enjoy doing it, you're revealing the giftedness that God has given you. And, and God says that every believer has, a, has at least one gift. So we're going to look at how that impacts your life. Not just how you serve at church, but how you, your work life, your career, your whatever, well, university life, how you go at, at heading into the exam periods. The H stands for heart. Your heart is the special passions that God has given you so that you can give him glory on earth. It's, it's what drives you. It's what motivates you. We all have different motivations, don't we? Different drives, different interests. Uh, I know that Solari loves to get out in the garden. 
She loves it. She loves pulling up the weeds and digging in there and getting her hands dirty and um, having the chickens around her. She loves it. Jasper's the same, gets in there. Whereas for me, uh, take it or leave it. (laughs) It doesn't fill my heart. We all are different. We have different drives, don't we? Different interests. And that's okay. Would you agree that there are some things you care about deeply and there are other things you don't care about as, as deeply? That's sort of revealing your heart when you have a passion for one and not the other. And our hearts, you know, our hearts are... Oh, sorry, hang on a sec. Our hearts are, uh, show up what we want to do and they can be different. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you, inspiring both the will and the deed for his own chosen purpose. You find that in Philippians 2 verse 13. God puts desires in your heart. The way you discover what your heart is, your, your basic motivation in life, it asks one question. What do I love? What do I love to do? What do I love uh, to, to think about? When, when I think, what, what, what comes to my mind? What do I dream about? What, does, what do I turn to? You cannot get away from that basic interest because God's given you that. And you are unique. He's given you gifts and he's given you your heart, your, your interest, that, that inborn interest. And he says that those are chosen for a purpose. It's not by accident that you have certain interests and other people have certain interests. God wants different kinds of people and motivations in life so that we can accomplish different things for his kingdom. The A. So we've got S-H-A. A is abilities. A little different to the heart. It's a set of talents that God gave you when you were born, uh, which he wants also to um, give you to use to impact the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, There are a lot of different abilities to perform service. There are. It makes sense. It's in the Bible. <laughs> a lot of people think they don't, need, they don't have any abilities. I want to tell you, you've got abilities. If I asked you to think of an ability that you have right now on the spot, you, you might find it hard. What's an ability? I automatically start thinking about uh, like superpowers and I think, I haven't got any abilities. But researchers have shown that the average person has between 500 to 700 different kinds of abilities. There you go. And we're all pretty average. Just as an average person, you have abilities. If you can raise your hand, that's an ability. (laughs) You've got many, many different kinds of ability. And God says that this is a part of how he shapes us. Some of you might be interested in tech. Some of you uh, might hate the sight of Zoom. Some of you have a a natural ability um, to uh, talk with someone. Some people are good at numbers. Many are good at speaking publicly. Others are terrified. We all have different abilities. Some people have the ability to work with people. Some people have abilities in music. Some people can think differently and bring out new ideas and lead. Some people have mechanical minds or engineering minds or artistic minds. God gives you these abilities. You may have an ability to entertain. You may have been given an ability to cook, and we're blessed with Jasper's cooking because he's cooking amazing at the moment. You may have an ability to draw, to speak, to do pottery, whatever it might be. They're all different abilities. And those abilities are not given to you by accident. God gave them to you for a purpose. He's given you gifts. 
He's given you this, this motivation through your heart. And he's given you some natural talents, abilities. And then we come on to P. P means personality. So the special way that God wired you to navigate life and fulfill the unique kingdom purposes. When I think of personality, I think to, tend to think of the, the loud and the out there person, the, the life of the party type person. They've got great personality, I would think. But the reality is that we all have a personality, don't we? <laughs> personality refers to three things. The way you act, the way you feel, and the way you think. The root of your personality is the way you think because the way you think actually determines how you feel and the way you feel normally determines how you act. So it all connects in. And even the Bible says the root of your personality is your thought life. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Personality is a very complex thing though. Researchers have discovered that there are at least 18,000 different personality traits. When you put those in combinations, the combinations become endless. We are complex beings, but each one of us has an individual personality. From a very young age, we could see that Tarquin, Jasper and Kyra all had very different individual personalities. It's complex, but it's part of what makes you unique. It's part of your shape, your gifting of God, your heart, your abilities and your personality and E is your experiences. Your experiences, those parts of your past, both positive and painful, which God intends to use in great ways. You see, God plans uh, experiences into your life to shape you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that, that all things happen, um, that we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. God is both organized and purposeful and planning personal experiences for us. If we have eyes to see, we will see God using us and using our experiences, the things of the world, what's happening in and through our world. He uniquely allows things into your life. You've got to be a little careful here. He doesn't cause all things but he sees them and he allows them to be brought into your life. And that can be bad as well as good. Our heart experiences are quite often the things that shape us even further. So God wants to work through, these, through you, through these experiences. So, so that's, that's shape. That's what it all means. So over the next five weeks, we're going to do that. And the, the connect groups are going to be... Um, or most of the Connect groups will be part of this as well and engaging the SHAPE course. So if you're not in Connect group and feel like you want to engage in this a little further, uh, please email me or email the church and we'd love to try and connect you into a group, um, whether it's a, a group that's uh, already there or a new group. You know, to find our shape for mission and advancing God's kingdom. And as we work out our new shape or our shape that God has molded us to be, we're going to start to see God use us in these kingdom purposes. I'll finish with a story from Max Licato. He shares this story in the book, um, Cure for the Common Life. He says, Da Vinci painted one Mona Lisa. Beethoven created one fifth symphony. And God made one version of you. And you are it. You're the only you that there is. And if we don't get 
you. We don't get you. You're the only one shot we have at you. You can do something no one else can do in a fashion no one else can do it. You are more than a coincidence of chromosomes and hereditary, more than just an assemblage of someone else's lineage. You are uniquely made. But can you be anything you want to be? If you are uniquely made, now stop and think about it, if you are uniquely made, can you really be anything you want to be? If you don't have the sense that takes care of numbers, can you be an accountant? If you don't have a love for the dirt, can you be a farmer? If you don't have an appreciation and a devotion to kids, can you really be a teacher? Well, you can be an unhappy one, an unsatisfied one. You can be one of the 87% of the workforce that doesn't like their work, or one of the 80% of the people that says, I don't use my talents on a daily basis. You can be a statistic. And Licardo goes on, but he ends with these comments, and these are really powerful words. Can you be anything you want to be? I don't think so. But can you be everything God wants you to be? I do think so. And you do become that by discovering your uniqueness. My hope is that you are able to go on this journey through the series, discovering your uniqueness, discovering how the, the potter is remoulding you into who he's called you to be that we may serve in God's mission wherever we may be. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are the potter, that we are the clay. We haven't got uh, uh, the creative part in us, that you created us, you molded us, you shaped us into your likeness in such a way that we become your hands and your feet, that we become people who, who are shaped for mission of, of, of God, that we can be those who are able to speak life into situations where there seems no life can be spoken into, that we can be neighbours who love, that we can be friends who care and who assist, and that when we go off the track and, and become blemished that we're moulded again by our Father. We thank you, God, that you are the potter. Help us over the next five weeks to understand our shape. Our shape, not just for serving in church, our shape for serving you in every aspect of our life. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.